From creation to the flood to the patriarchs to Egypt, join me, Pastor Hook, as we go through Genesis, the backstory to the beginning. We are in a story today in Genesis chapter 25. We've seen um, Abraham has died uh, and his wife Sarah died. Uh, He found a wife for his son Isaac. Isaac has found Rebekah and uh, Ishmael, the other son, and Hagar have gone off to their own place Although uh, Ishmael and and Isaac got back together again to bury their father, uh, Abraham, that was kind of a cool end to an epical period in the history of the world. Um, And now we're kind of tracking along with the story of Isaac. And the reason why all of these people are so important, um, well, for several reasons. One is that they're all in the lineage of Jesus, right? The The Old Testament promise to um, Abraham was not just to Abraham and his clan, but that ultimately that in the loins of Abraham and the lineage of Abraham would be the Messiah, the promised one. And that promised one would be the the Messiah to redeem mankind. And um, so you see all the great characters of the Old Testament kind of follow this lineage, uh, which eventually goes to Jesus. And, And so not every Every son can be in the lineage of Jesus. You have to find, uh, you know, one, only one of the sons can actually be in the lineage. It's just the way it works. And we find out that the, the lineage goes through Abraham. And as we'll see over the next few days, the lineage now goes through Isaac. It could have been through Esau, but it goes through Isaac. So, um, or, uh, Yeah, it could have gone through Ishmael, but it went through Isaac. So now we're going to start in Genesis chapter 25, uh, and we're going to begin in verse 19, and we're just going to see, we're going to just start reading and see where it takes us. So this is the account of the family line of Abraham's son, Isaac. Abraham became the father of Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean from Padan Aram and sister of Laban the Aramean. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. The Lord answered his prayer and his wife Rebekah became pregnant. Okay, I just have to stop here real quick. I don't know what it is about the loins of this family, but they remain childless. Uh, if you remember, Sarah was childless for a long time. Abraham was childless for a long time. And now uh, Isaac has married Rebecca and they are childless. But Isaac prays to the Lord. Um, you, you've got to wonder if um, this whole idea of being childless in a society where having children is so, so very important, if that isn't a testing of faith um, for this couple. And um, because it is typically what happens in life when struggles happen is that it tests our faith and we either get stronger in our faith or it can destroy our faith. And um, prayer is a great way to help anything strengthen your faith. If you're going through a challenging time in your life and you want to use that time to grow your faith, the best way to do that, really to put fertilizer on your root system, as I say, is to, to be in God's word and to pray. And when you do that, you stay connected to the creator of the universe. Um, 
and he um, fills you with his love and his joy and his peace and all that he has because you're a child of the kingdom uh, and when you get through to the other side uh, you will see how he sustains you during those times and that helps you grow in your faith so actually pandemics um, uh, all sorts of uh, things that happen in your life that can be very challenging uh, the more mature you are, the, the longer you've lived in this life, the more you realize is that there are tremendous opportunities to grow in your faith um, and to get closer to God. Uh, they, are, they are the times that you take leaps forward in your faith and in your closeness to God. So uh, Isaac prays to the Lord on his behalf of his wife because she's childless. She has no child. And so Isaac, instead of you know turning away from God, leans into God and tries to get closer to God and prays to God. So let's see what happens. Uh, I'll do 21 again. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. And the Lord answered his prayer, and his wife Rebekah became pregnant. And the babies jostled each other within her, and she said, Why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. So this is a foretelling of the two children that are in Rebecca's womb. And uh, it's not just that there's two children in the womb, but that these two children represent two nations, two peoples. Uh, and one of those nations is going to be the father of Jesus, and the other nation is not going to be the father of, of, of Jesus. And there can only be one nation that's the father of Jesus, right? I mean, that's just the way it is. You can't have two brothers, and one of them becomes, uh, you know, the line of, well, I mean, you could, but the direct line through, through the male lineage, it can only go through, through one person. And... Um, what God told Rebecca is that two nations, two boys, two boys are in your womb. Uh, so you have twins, um, and each one of these will be a nation. Each one of these will uh, take a, a lineage uh, from Isaac, and they'll go in different directions. And only one of those directions, of course, will be in the lineage of Jesus. And let's see, the one people will be stronger than the other. And the older will serve the younger. Now, that the fact that the older is going to serve the younger is very, very curious because typically in Jewish tradition, the first one to come out of the womb is considered to be the older one, uh, even in twins. And that's the one where, um, every, you know, where everybody would say, this is the older brother. This is um, lots of rights and privileges come from being the oldest one, uh, even if they're twins. And, uh, but, the, but that's not what God says. It says the older, so the first one to come out, will serve the younger. And one people, remember there's going to be two peoples. It's not just two guys coming out of the womb, but it's two peoples coming out of the womb. One people will be stronger than the other. And um, we'll have to figure out which one God was talking about. Which one is the stronger? Uh, is it the lineage through the firstborn or is it the lineage through the secondborn? Um, we may find out in the story um, and see what that is. But let's just continue reading on, all right? 
So, uh, when the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment, garment so they named him Esau. So, the first one out's a ginger, and uh, he's red, and he's hairy, and um, they named him Esau, uh, Esau being red and hairy, I suppose. I mean, that's kind of what it means. I mean, just from the text. Um, you might say, um, there, if you look at the name Esau, it's got lots of different roots to it. I guess it could mean hairy, it could mean red, it could mean to cover. Uh, some have said it's the finisher. Um, but I think based upon the text, it just means red and hairy. Esau means red and hairy. Um, and then after that, verse 26, after that, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel, so he was named Jacob. And Jacob, again, means to grasp the heel. Uh, Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. So uh, one of them is, only one of them is red and hairy. The other one doesn't appear to be red and hairy. Um, so they're definitely not, uh, uh, what do they call that? Identical twins. They're not identical twins. They're uh, fraternal twins. They both exist in the same womb, two different eggs, both get fertilized, um, and both are in the womb. Whereas opposed to identical twins, which is one egg, and then during the process, it actually splits early on enough to create two identical people in the womb. And uh, I've always been fascinated by identical twins. I actually, we had two sets of identical twins in my school growing up. Uh, and then we have one set of twins that were, uh, that were uh, not identical, the fraternal twins, right? And um, it was really fascinating to see the two twins. They were just so much. I mean, they had their own personality. I mean, you get to get to know their personalities, you know, once once you get to know them and you definitely know which one's which. But honestly, they would look identical. Um, of course, identical twins love to play jokes on their friends and on their parents. Some of them get married and their spouses, they pay, play jokes on their spouses. We have actually uh, in our congregation, uh, one young lady, well, she's, I, she's, uh, I think she's older, uh, and she is uh, a, uh, an identical twin. She has an identical twin sister. And, um, uh, well, that's Lola. If you know Lola, she's got an identical twin sister. And I wonder if they've played jokes, uh, to, uh, you know, in their family. I'm sure they have. Um, but this isn't identical twins. This is just twins. Uh, let's see. And here we go. This is interesting. Verse 27. The boys grew up and Esau became a skillful hunter a man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Oh my goodness. So this is just so true, isn't it? Um, so you have two boys uh, coming out at the same time, and one of the boys is a manly man, right? He's hairy, he's red, he likes to go out into the field, uh, he loves to hunt game and bring game home to cook. Uh, mom cooks the, you know, cooks the wild wildebeest and um, Isaac loves to eat the wild wildebeest and uh, he's very proud of his son who goes out and faces and challenges danger and death every day uh, because he's a big, strong, you know, bursting at the seams. 
uh, Gaston from from uh, Beauty and the Beast type of a man who loves to go out and shoot guns. Well, he doesn't have guns. You know, he loves to go out and kill the wild beast. And then you have, you know, the younger boy, um, uh, Jacob. Now, Jacob is um, not the manly man. Jacob likes to stay at home in the tents. I think that's probably just, you know, a polite way of saying that Jacob is a mama's boy. <laughs> and Jacob likes to stay around the village. He doesn't like to go out too much. Uh, he doesn't like to risk life and limb to go out and hunt game. He's perfectly content to let his brother do that. He's more content being closer to, to home. Uh, he might be the one that plants a crop. Uh, he might be the one that maybe cooks food. He might be the one that, you know, does more of the domestic stuff around the tent of the, you know, of the place where this family is living. And um, the reason why I laugh a little bit on the story is because this is so much um, my brother and me. Um, I have an older brother. He's four years older than I am. So we're not twins. Uh, but in so many ways, we are so alike. But he's the manly man. He was the baseball player, the football player. Um, he loved sports, rough and tumble, uh, you know, and my dad coached baseball and my brother played first base and he's a pitcher. He's a lefty. My brother's a lefty. He loves to golf. Uh, he loves to just be outdoors doing that kind of stuff. He loves to watch sports on TV. He actually uh, was a bodybuilder for, I, mean, I think he still is, but um he was a bodybuilder in high school and college and even entered a couple competitions. He won a bodybuilding competition all over the state of Arizona one, one year. He, you know, he worked very, very hard at that and he won. And, you know, it's a quite an impressive accomplishment uh, to be able to do that, to have. Of course, this was back in the Arnold Schwarzenegger days of Gold's Gym and stuff like that where, you know, these guys would go and they would, you know, they would try to get as much muscle and mass as possible and then they would... Um, stop eating um, anything for a while to just let those muscles, you know, they get all the fat off their body so the muscles would bulge. Um, and that was my brother. I was not that. I was more, when I was growing up, what I enjoyed most of doing was singing. Uh, I was in the Phoenix Boys Choir, which was a singing group. Uh, I mean, I didn't, I, I liked, you know, being outside and doing the, you know, tag football and stuff like that, but I didn't like the really rough and tumble stuff. I, it wasn't just part of my, it wasn't my personality. I, I didn't enjoy it as much um, as my brother did. My brother was the quintessential um, Esau. And I was the quintessential Jacob, right? I, um, two totally different personalities, two totally different things that we love to go after. I mean, and, uh, you know, both of us have our unique gifting from God. Uh, I am more, um, I don't want to think, you know, I mean, I, I think deep thoughts and I'm, I like to think about problems long and hard. I like to find solutions to problems. That's, that's kind of what really fills me with joy. Uh, if you were to ask my brother, you know, what fills you with joy? Watching a football game or, you know, sitting with a puzzle uh, and trying to figure out a mathematical equation, you know, trying to do a geometric proof, he would definitely say watching the football game. For me, you know, it's actually sitting and doing a geometric proof, you know, just using my my giftedness that God has given me in that area. And that's, that's, just, that's just who we are. And so when I read the story of Jacob and Esau, um, it just so much hits home. 
and I so much identify with Jacob. Um, but we're all, in a way, we're all Jacob and we're all Esau, right? I mean, we all have bits of these people in us uh, because we're going to find out that Esau, I mean, I don't want it to make it seem like, you know, Jacob is um, a better because he's not. Um, they both just are different. And Jacob and Esau are both gifted by God with different things. And, and it'll come out in the story. But in my family, I identify with Jacob, and I'm sure my brother would identify with Esau. So Isaac, the dad, has a taste for wild game, and of course, he loves Esau, and Rebecca loves Jacob. And uh, I know my father loves me. I get along very well with my father, but I must admit that my brother's four years older, so my father has known my brother four years longer than he's known me, and my dad loved to coach my, my sons, or my, my sons, my brother's um, baseball team. He, it was the, was it the Giants? Yeah, it was the Giants, you know, the little league baseball team. My dad was the coach uh, for many, many years. So I would go to the game, you know, I'd watch. It was fun. Um, and, uh, but, but it was, um, it was not, uh, I wasn't in, I didn't, I didn't really enjoy it to the point my dad didn't. My dad, after my brother stopped uh, playing baseball, I wasn't a very good baseball player. You know, I was in the outfield, outfield. Uh, eventually, I ended up being on the team as a as a very, you know, rarely would you use me if somebody got injured. But most of the time, I was with the clipboard doing stats, uh, sitting on the bench, just, you know, what was a ball, what was a strike and all that, and just keeping track of the game that way because that's just how my personality is. Uh, and I loved the game, but I was I loved the statistics and the statisticians of the game more than I liked actually playing the game, which is just how God created me. You know, for years, this is interesting too, for years, I felt like I was a failure because that's just, you know, I, I didn't, because most of the guys that you meet in high school, you know, they're all, um, you know, they're all love football and sports and all that sort of thing. I think... There's just very few of us that we really would you know, rather solve a geometric proof than, than play sports. Although I did play sports. I did swimming in high school. But um, anyway, but that's an individual sport, which is interesting too. It's not a group sport. Um, and golf, which I also did, is more of an individual sport than a group sport. So each one of us have different things that, that draw us and attract us. Um, and um, we're all created differently. But it took me a while to realize that God created me for a reason, and um, I don't have to be a big, huge baseball player or football player to be loved by God. Um, and that's just, you know, that's just one of those things that you learn in life. Uh, I, uh, I just don't have those gifts, but I have different gifts. And um, all gifts from God are from God, and they're necessary, and they're given to you for a reason. Um, so... Uh, and I suppose I will continue to learn this lesson till the day I die. That, uh, I mean, now I feel very, very comfortable in the gifts that God's given me, but I still continue to grow and see how the gifts that he's given me are really, really good in some areas and they're really, really horrible in other areas. And, uh, you know, trying to figure out who you are and why God created you the way you are is a lifelong journey. Um, we may find that out in Jacob. All right, so... The thing you need to know, though, um, is that uh, 
Uh, so in my personality, I am, there's a thing called an Enneagram test. And uh, on, the, on the Enneagram, I'm a five, which means I'm an investigator, which means I think investigative thoughts. I, I tackle a problem and I grab a hold of it and I don't let go of it until I've figured out the problem. And I'm in the realm of the Enneagram, which deals with fear. Uh, so the way I deal with the world around me is I try to understand it. Other people deal with the world around them in different ways. But when you're a six, you deal with it with understanding. But there's another one that's in that realm uh, that's just basically someone who's, um, you know, they live in a, they live with a lot of fear. You know, they, they, uh, they don't understand, you know, they, they're worried all the time about things uh, that, that could happen in their life. And you have to understand that it is likely that Jacob is somewhere in that area, that Jacob is either, uh, you know, pure fear, like he lives his life in fear, or he lives his life by trying to figure things out, you know, uh, and we'll have to find out. I mean, it'd be interesting to see. I wonder if anybody's done an Enneagram on Jacob. Oh, I'll have to figure that one out. But the thing you need to know is that he lives more in, in the fear area than his brother, uh, es uh, Esau, which, uh, you know, he likes to just go out and attack animals. I mean, if a bear came after Esau, Esau would run to the bear with a stick and, you know, engage the bear and try to beat him up, uh, you know, hoping that he'd win. If, uh, if uh, Jacob meets a bear, he's going to try to run away from the bear as fast as possible or maybe stay still so the bear doesn't attack him or, you know, make himself look as big as possible. Um, they're definitely two different boys. Um, so... Uh, that is who they are. And that's who me and my brother are. Uh, why don't we continue on? So once when Jacob was cooking some stew, so we know that Jacob likes to cook, Esau came in from the open country and he was famished. And he said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. And that is also why he's called Edom. So apparently uh, Esau is, Edom is red. Uh, so Esau is called uh He's red. Um, that's why he's called Edom. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank, and then he got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. I mean, who does this? All right, so um, this tells me that Jacob is a clever young boy, that he maybe leans on the, you know, on the intellectual, not the, I don't want to say, you know, he's an investigator. He, he thinks his way through life uh, as opposed to selling his birthright for stew. <laughs> that has to be the dumbest thing anybody's ever done. I mean, the birthright is that you're the oldest son, all rights, privileges, you know, everything goes through you because you are the first one out of the womb. That's your birthright. And you're going to sell it for stew? What kind of dumb ox does that? Um, I just, it just is fascinating to me that he would be so silly to sell his birthright. Um, I think uh, later on, the birthright, uh, you know, depending upon how this goes, sometimes the eldest gets everything and keeps the tribe together. 
Uh, if the tribe is definitely going to split up, then the, you know, the eldest gets a double portion uh, or maybe even a triple portion of the estate of the inheritance, you know, because he's the firstborn. Uh, apparently, Esau cares less about that. He probably thinks, right, what does is, what is he love to do most, right? He loves to go out and hunt and, you know, kill the wildebeest, bring it back home. And oh, that's what he loves to do. Um, what does he care about inheritances and birthrights and stuff like that? He doesn't care as long as he's got his club and his stone uh, and whatever he has to kill, you know, wild game. He's going to be perfectly happy. He's going to be completely fulfilled in life. There's I mean, that, that is just who he is. Um, Jacob, on the other hand, you know, he's like, I'm, I would like to amass whatever I can because I don't have the same skills that Esau has. So I have to trade and barter and cook and do all those sort of things. And the way I'm going to survive in the future is if I have a bit of an inheritance. So it's interesting, but they're both created this way, you know, and they both end up doing, you know, the birthright ends up in Jacob's lap because of this stupid thing. And it was probably, it's probably okay that it happened this way, right? I mean, in the big picture, I don't know if Esau needs the birthright. I think Jacob does need it. So, you know, God has his own way of doing his own thing. And uh, God's will be done no matter what. But you got to admit that it's pretty stupid for Esau. Because, I mean, and uh, let's just be honest, if you've ever had a teenage boy, um, they don't necessarily do the things logically that they're supposed to do. I have, I've thought about this a lot. Um, because I've seen so many uh, teenage boys do things that I just think are dumber than a sack of rocks. And it doesn't happen necessarily to teenage girls. Teenage girls are very emotional, but they're smart, right? I mean, they're almost too smart. Um, but teenage boys, they just do dumb things. And if you look at the psychology, uh, you know, well, here, let's look at this. Let's look at brain development. Uh, your brain is growing. My wife uh, teaches at Pima Community College. One of the things she teaches is brain theory. So we have a lot of discussions about brain stuff. Um, and uh, and the, the, the brain as it's developing, you've got different, you know, you get the prefrontal cortex, you know, the intelligence portion of the brain. And then you have the amygdala, which, you know, is the emotional portion of the brain. Well, as you're growing, it grows at different rates. And the, the thinking part of a male brain, you need to listen to this, the thinking part of the male brain does not fully develop until well late into the 20s, as opposed to the female brain, where that part, the thinking part, uh, develops much, 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 much earlier. And I have a theory for this, and the theory is that this is why men do stupid things to impress women so that they can get a mate, right? It's, it's just the way that God created us to do things to impress women to get, you know, to, to find a woman to fall in love with you. I mean, that's how, I mean, look at World War II, right? What, what happened in World War II? If you wanted to impress a woman during World War II, what was the one thing you did? You went off to war, right? And, and the braver you are, the more heroic you are. Actually, they did studies on this. Uh, back then where, you know, uh, they would 
they would tell women about, you know, this guy went off to war and he won this battle and he was very heroic. And women found that extremely attractive uh, as opposed to the man who didn't go off to war or maybe didn't, you know, put on the uniform or whatever that women didn't. They actually have studies showing that this actually, that women are attracted to this. And we know this. Uh, and guys, for whatever reason, liked when they're in their early 20s, they love to go and fight uh, wars. They love to be in battles. They love to engage, you know, in all these kind of things. Unless you've got my personality, which is an investigator, and I don't like to do that kind of stuff um, at all. Uh, it's just it doesn't appeal to me. But the, for the vast majority of guys out there, um, that's you know, they love to do rough and tumble and fight and that sort of thing. And um, so uh, Jacob is definitely. Uh, well, and I was going to say that um, that's why I think you get uh, wars fighting. You know, that's why you use young men to go fight your wars, right? You, you have to use young men whose brain hasn't fully formed because once the brain forms and once the boy, you know, becomes married and has, starts having children, uh, I mean, he might fight a war to protect his nation because of chivalry. And there is that. And all of us have that. But just the desire to uh, go fight a war. That, that's definitely a young brain that hasn't fully formed yet. So it's kind of a long narrative about that. But um, anyway, so um, Jacob gets the birthright from Esau, uh, which is as it should be. And um, maybe I'll pick up the story tomorrow on that because I have one more thought on that that I want to talk about. Um, but it's getting late, so... Hey, um, thanks for joining me today. Um, I hope this 7 o'clock time works. Uh, you could be watching this at 8 o'clock because at 8 o'clock, this uh, recording is completely available. If you are watching at 8 o'clock, go ahead and, um, and post hello. You know, whatever you're watching this, go ahead and post a couple notes. If you have raised a boy or, you know, had a brother, you know, or a son or a grandson that you want to tell a funny story about, go ahead and do that. You know, share it with the rest of us. And um, hey, thanks for joining me. Let's, let's close in prayer. Dear God, thanks for creating each of us so unique. Uh, thank you for the many blessings that we have. Um, we have the greatest blessing of being birthright into your kingdom because of Jesus. Be with us until we meet again. In his name we pray.